The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. good y'all welcome to in the deep a deep league focused fantasy baseball podcast part of the pitcherless podcast network my name is jordan white and i am joined here once again as i always am by my good friend and co-host christopher schwebzy weber schwebzy how you doing this week buddy hi friends i'm i i gotta be honest with you jordan i'm not doing great because uh you know you know where i was supposed to be tonight i know you know but i'm gonna tell the people at home i was supposed to be watching thor tonight Ah, yes, the, but, the love and the thunder. Both of them, all so, in one package. Since I am an inconsiderate podcast host, what, what, I, what I did was I bought the tickets and then went, oh no, that's Friday. That's when I'm supposed to be recording a podcast. Yes. And uh, we could, unfortunately, we couldn't, unfortunately for, for me and my, my nerdiness, we couldn't reschedule, so I had to, you know, reschedule the tickets. So I'm actually seeing it tomorrow instead. So thanks to Jordan, I have to wait a whole 18 hours to see this movie. Hey man, if I can't see it, then you can't see it either. That's how this goes. The audacity. I'm also uh, a big fan of the, uh, the 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 sprawling tapestry that is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> at this point, going literally everywhere into into different universes. At this point, um. No, I'm excited for this movie. I like what Taika has done with the Thor series. Um, yeah, there's just I hope it's as absurd as it seems to be in so many ways, and I hope it takes a step up from the uh, from Ragnarok. Personally, the, the, this is a this is a a, a movie uh, review podcast. Now, I'm worried. I'm worried about like the tonal like disparity between the what what do they, what do they call it like tonal whiplash between like the really grim storyline of Gore the God Butcher and then, you know, Taika Watiti's literally everything. Well, I mean, Taika has done that with like most of his movies though, right? There's always been like a very like rooted, like heavy through line through each of his movies. I mean, you think like Jojo Rabbit and then also like, I mean, like Boy was like that, his first movie that he did. Um, Hunt for the Wilder People was a very silly movie, yeah. but also like very like, deep and like heartfelt in a lot of ways and i think he he does a good job of like kind of even like even in ragnarok like it was super silly but there was like the very much like the grown-up oh like thor grew up and realized i'm not gonna be able to like get you to change brother i'm not gonna try to like fight for you or anything like that 
I just know that you are who you are and I am who I am and we're just going to be who we are. Speaking of Loki, they just started filming season two of that. I saw some photos of it. It's very, very good. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, we're, we're both huge dorks for this stuff. Yes. Anyways, let's, uh, let's be dorks about the thing that we're here to be dorks about. How about that? Uh, do we have to? I guess. Yeah, I suppose so. I gotta say, just before we get going here, it was really hard. Like we get into the mid, the middle of the season. I feel like we get into like this lull. Like it gets very hard to write about players i think it's because the pool gets so shallow or sorry not shallow because we're under the deep part of the pool but like it's just the pool of players that we get to talk about it feels like everything is just stripped so bare and i think it's the pitchers especially right now yeah it's tough pitchers are tough at this time of season which is funny because i think we're talking about what um three pitchers out of our four deep dives today It's a minor detail. Yeah, it's minor detail. That's fine. Uh, but yeah, before we get started here with the deep dives, uh, let's just quick do the usual business up at the top of the episode here. If you want to follow us on social media, we have a shared podcast account that's at in the DPL on Twitter. You can also follow us there individually at Bunt Singles for myself and then at Schwebzy. That's S H W E B S I for Schwebzy. No C. Remember, kids. Um, and then remember, there is a mailbag submission form that you can find in the pinned tweet on our twitter profile so uh with that let's kick it off with uh oh did i forget something you know i i literally just had someone throw the c in there today did you I really was, i was helping it yeah so for for those who, of you at home who uh, <laughs> for those of you at home who are reddit frequenters every friday on the fantasy baseball subreddit pitcher list uh, and scott Chu, specifically our hitter list writer uh, among many other hats he wears at pitcher list we do an AMA where anybody can come and, you know, ask uh, our staff questions. And uh, today I was helping out. I, I answered a few questions. And uh, one of our fellow staffers threw a C into my name. The audacity. Wait, who was it? Name uh, name drop it. La- Lamar inside pitch Gibson. Oh, Mike. Lamar. Unbelievable. The audacity. It's on site, bud. No, I'm just <laughs> on kidding. On site. No, you, Lamar, Lamar get, is a fantastic resource for prospects. Yeah, Lamar is incredibly sharp when it comes to talking about prospects. He's also, uh, I think he loves TV and movies probably as much as we do, yes. if not more. Yep. He's very, very fun to have a conversation with when it comes to all that stuff, too. But maybe we should just start like a, a TV and movie movie podcast on the, on the podcast network. It feels like we would have enough to talk about with certain people. What's good, y'all, and welcome to In the Geek. Oh my, we're doing a this. This is like a little, uh, like a podcast hot pocket. We're gonna have one little small one right inside the big one. <laughs> Except this one is frozen in the middle because he didn't warm it up long enough. But no, no, like all good hot pockets. Ugh. I oh, remind me, I have a. St- I'm not gonna tell it on the podcast, but I do have a story about hot pockets. Remind me to tell you that'll be our that that will be our post. <gasps> pockets post podcast little uh teaser for those folks who have noticed that sometimes i like to throw little things after the podcast is done uh after the post uh the post podcast exit music i like to throw some things in there sometimes so uh you can listen to that like my abysmal my abysmal liam neeson impression and your very good liam neeson impression last week i listened back to it honestly and i was like not bad that was it was it was on point very on point I'll have to work it in at some point uh, during the pod. I'll have to do more impressions, I think. I think that's kind of my thing. Um, but yes, anyways, 
We are eight minutes into this podcast. Oh, God. Uh, let's kick it off with our first deep dive here. Uh, Schwepsy, talk about Andres Munoz. Yes, I, I have been absolutely vibrating with excitement all week to get to this episode. Literally, I, I said to you on like Saturday or Sunday, yeah, I was like, week. I need. Yeah, I was like, I need to put this name like down in our notes, like in advance, because I can't forget to talk about Andres Munoz. I've been it's just been so cool what he's been bringing to the table these past few weeks and it I think it means really good things for his future and and like the Mariners bullpen's future. Like normally I wouldn't talk about a middle reliever this early on in the season. Like you know you you wouldn't catch me talking about like uh Jimmy Yacobonis. Uh but hey, you, this hey, is my single hey, real quick real quick. <laughs> good heck. Uh but this might be my single favorite like late season save speculation pick because like it's the the stuff that Andres Munoz brings to the pitching mound is just incredible. If you're not familiar with Munoz, I uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised you'd be among many because middle relief prospects like they don't really get much airtime or ink dedicated to their future prospects. Mm-hmm. He he is a 23-year-old flamethrower. He came over to Seattle in the San Diego trade uh, of austin nola to uh from, from seattle to san diego along with uh taylor Trammell and ty france uh and as much as we like austin nola around these parts that trade is just looking like more and more of a disaster as more time goes by that, that was a rough one for san diego a little bit yeah a little bit especially as as uh every other reliever san diego throws out there gets uh annihilated they could really use someone like Andres Munoz right now. Mm-hmm. But uh, it would have been really easy to forget about Munoz because prior to getting traded, he tore his UCL and got Tommy John surgery. And this was right after he looked like a solid reliever, striking out 31% of batters in his age 20 season in 2019. You never see, you, you just never see that. How many 20 year old relievers can you think of right now, Jordan? Because for me, the list is like zero. None. Like I'm pretty sure there's there's none this year, and I don't remember any last year either. It's a really uncommon thing what he did. Yes. And then fast forward to this year, we're a good two years after his initial UCL tear now, and Munoz is on an absolute rampage. He's having a good year, yeah, overall. But if you look at like the last month or so, he gave up a dinger to former in the deep favorite Bobby Dalbeck on June 10th. But basically, since then, we're talking like best reliever in baseball quality stuff. Like he's up there with like Clay Holmes in the past month. Since June 10th, he's had nine appearances, four of which were more than three outs, seven of which were multi strikeout, and six of those nine appearances were at least three strikeouts. That is just an obscene strikeout binge. Those nine appearances were so good that he literally has a negative fit in that time frame which is ridiculous. Now, fielding independent pitching, which is what FIP is, naturally skews towards strikeout getters because, again, it's field, fielding independent. But, yeah, so it's just a, a ridiculous number. And anytime you, can, uh, anytime you can put up a negative there, it's a wild stretch. So there are a few reasons that we as fantasy managers should care about this. Now, one is the volume. The fact that he's semi-regularly getting brought in in the middle of an inning and then 
pitching, you know, beyond that inning is awesome for his potential strikeout totals. And it's awesome for his ratio contributions. You know, anytime relievers are getting more than three outs, that's, you know, that's bonus. He's not getting any like true long relief appearances, which is a little, little bit of a bummer. I don't think, I'm pretty sure he's not a former starting pitching prospect, so I don't really see that in his future. Mm-hmm. But he, he does keep getting these four and five out appearances. And reason number two to be excited about his future is that the Mariners don't use like a traditional capital C closer. They use more of a, it's like a Paul Seawald-led committee with Seawald getting nine of the team's 17 saves and the other eight saves are split between five different relievers with four of them going to Diego Castillo. I feel like unless something goes wrong with Seawald, like if he stumbles, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident that Seawald is going to hold on to that primary closer job, but I really, really like Munoz's chance to take over for Diego Castillo as like the number two option in that bullpen and get like between, you know, five and 10 saves for the rest of the year. And, you know, a a reliever with his stuff, his strikeout numbers that also adds like five or 10 saves is a legitimately valuable thing. Like that could, he could do what, I don't know, what like Jonathan Loisaga did last year where Loisaga was like legitimately valuable, even in a middle relief role. Mm -hmm. I was a, I was talking to friend of the podcast and former pitcher list writer Michael Ahedo about Munoz, since uh, Ahedo is both a Mariners fan and one of both of our favorite uh, pitcher analysts out there. And not only does Ahedo love Munoz and agree about some of the future save potential, but turns out Ahedo is going to be writing about Munoz for, I believe, 538. So uh, he said a possible Monday release date for that article, so keep an eye out for that. Because uh, Ahedo will do a better job than I ever could about, uh, you know, speaking to why Munoz is good. And uh, when we were talking about Munoz, it was funny. He, what, what he said to me was like, he reminds me of Edwin Diaz. And as soon as he said that, I was like, yep, that's exactly who I was thinking. Because it's, it's an easy comparison to make because, you know, it's a young reliever for the Mariners, gets a ton of strikeouts. He's fastball slider. Mm-hmm. Really, really easy comparison to make. But it's apt. Like, they have similar strikeout rates on their slider. Diaz has a 52% whiff rate on his slider, which is absurd. And Munoz has a 50%. Munoz has a 100th percentile fastball velo. Diaz has a 99th percentile. There are a lot of similarities beyond this, like, you know, pitch usage, among other things. But trust me, like this comparison should make your mouth water if you are looking for a high K reliever. One of the things I did today before we uh, started getting ready for this, I went through every single one of my leagues. And if, you know, if, if the, the, if it was appropriate for that league, I tried to add Munoz. Uh, I'm, (laughs) I'm so high on Munoz that I literally bought a thousand copies of his card in MLB the show speculating that they'll improve his card and I'll be able to sell it for a big profit later on this year. That's what we call uh, stonks. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that's stonks. Stonks go up. The line goes up. But uh, needless to say, I, I am very high on him. I think he's worth an ad in basically any deep league. 
and especially in any specialized strikeout leagues that use K percentage, that use K per nine. Mm-hmm. I, I'm in a couple of leagues like that. Um, and save holds, it's like a no-brainer. He should probably be rostered already. In fact, I, I had a couple of leagues where I tried to add him and saw he was already gone because you know they were save hold or or strikeout per nine were uh, were involved. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, he's been gross. Uh, it's very funny that you bring up Edwin Diaz here as well because I was also talking to our good friend Michael Hedo, uh, sending him a message earlier, and you know what? There, there's a pitcher out there who has... The only person that he, or sorry, out of all relievers in baseball, period, since like June 18th, I think was the arbitrary date that uh, Mikey threw out there. There's a pitcher that has the second best CSW in the league out of all relievers right behind Edwin Diaz. And do you know who that is? It's Josh Hader. It's Jimmy Yakabonis, Schwebzy. <laughs> so you know what that means in my mind at least i mean there's just so many parallels between like all these people. I, I i mean really jimmy yakabonis equals andres munoz here it's kind of what Basically. i'm getting at no i yesterday this is a joke uh, if, this if is you a bit, this is me doing a bit for people who think i'm being serious please don't please don't think that's that. fine i've never known you to do a joke um deadly serious for for those of you who are longtime listeners you know that uh I'm I'm a big JD Davis fan, and JD Davis ruined my life last year when he lost <laughs> me a board bet by getting hurt. Yeah, I knew I knew this was coming. Okay, go ahead, get it out. And get it out. Yep. Did did you did you happen to see what JD Davis did to Jimmy Yakabonis yesterday? Um, it was it was a home run, but there were people on every base. What is that? A, a, what's that called? It's called the. I want to. It's called. I want to use bad words that I'm not allowed to use on the podcast <laughs> at you. Basically, right basically, now. it's it's bad. If you're a pitcher, it's not good that it happens to you. Is what I understand. Th- that, that is correct. But you know what? I added Jimmy Ekabonis in TGFBI as a meme, dropping Corey Knable because who knows what his role is anymore. And then what happened? First day that I had him, Jimmy Ekabonis got me a win. <laughs> he sure did. <laughs> And what a week it's well, it bounces been. bounces out in the end. Literally the highest of highs and then the lowest of lows all in one week. This has been the Jimmy Yakabonis experience. And I'm so, so happy to have gone on this ride. Um, I, <laughs> I am dropping him for a starting pitcher. One of the ones that I'm going to talk about this week. Uh, Shubzi, did you have anything else? Sorry, I was going to move on, but I want to leave it open to you if you want to say anything else about Munoz before I go to talking about my first deep dive. I, I I don't think I can emphasize enough how hyped I am about Munoz as like a, a long term reliever. I mean, it's, I'm making a I'm making especially sure to try to add him in leagues that I can just you know like dynasty leagues where I can keep everybody. Yeah, I mean he's been crazy electric. Um, and yes, you have had your eye on him for some time now. Well, we we were in the middle of preparing for this episode, and. We we at we some, were in the middle of preparing. I buddy, I was fighting for we, my life. <laughs> and at one point I was like, everybody shut up. <laughs> this is true. This is absolutely true. And Andres Munoz was was warming up to pitch, and Jordan and I together both watched uh his relief appearance today and watched as he made absolute fools of the heart of the Toronto Blue Jay lineup. It was very funny. With uh, three strikeouts. He's incredible. He's just on an absolute heater right now. The the slider is untouchable. Yeah, it was pretty great. So it was like pretty much us sitting in silence for the most part. Schwebzy's stream was a little bit ahead of mine. So I would just be like getting spoilers every time Schwebzy would make a small noise like, oh, 
just so many fun little uh fun little noises that schwabzi was making uh that i could tell something good was about to happen so that was very entertaining that plus your facial uh expressions whenever i whenever something was happening was very very nice it's one of those rare uh situations where you settle down to watch something and it was every little bit that you hoped for it's satisfying it's a rarity but it's very nice when it happens yeah, uh, I'm also going to be target- targeting Andres Munoz wherever I can grab him as well. So thank you, Shubzy, for uh, calling him out. I appreciate it. And also thank you. I already you. added him in our Dynasty League. Buddy, I love you. Thank you so much for, <laughs> for doing the hard work. I appreciate you. All right, uh, I'm going to go into my first deep dive here. A little less exciting in terms of repertoire and like how electric his stuff is, but I think it's someone that does have value regardless. And that's Josh Winder. So... uh Winder is a starting pitcher for the Twins, for those who do not know. Uh, he is locked in a rotation spot for a few weeks, at the very least. Um, and he's got two starts coming up this week, one against Milwaukee and then one against the White Sox. So if you can bear to stream him in a potentially rough matchup versus Milwaukee on Tuesday, uh, Milwaukee has the eighth best WRC plus as a team versus right-handed pitchers this year. The White Sox have the seventh worst in the league uh, at a paltry 90. and I would personally, if you're doing a weekly league even, take the gamble and run him out there for both of these starts this week. So Winder has seen success in various small stints as a starter for the Twins this year, but I think it's worth digging into his repertoire a bit to see if the success is actually sustainable or if there's reason for concern. Uh, Largely and broadly, I'll give you the TLDR up front. I don't think it's that bad, honestly. Um, His repertoire is spearheaded by what is genuinely kind of a subpar four seamer uh it's one he deploys around 40 percent of the time the pitch is far and away the worst of all of his offerings and it has a 485 x woba which is <laughs> it's not good it's not good <laughs> um it allows tons of hard contact really high uh xba as well just not great um that said the real draw with winder is that he has a slew of well-commanded although not dominant secondaries that draw a ton of weak contact and particularly i want to point at his slider and his changeup. he throws the slider around 35 percent of the time uh and while it's not a dominant out pitch by any means the soft contact that he generates with it works wonders for limiting the damage that hitters do particularly since he mainly plays as a fly ball pitcher in comparison to most pitchers in the league um what I really want to key in on here, though, is that changeup. Uh, he only throws around like 13% of the time, but it has a 21.2% swinging strike rate, which is like, that's really, really good. Uh, for reference, that's up there with other really solid changeup throwers like Tyler Anderson, uh, Jeffrey Springs, and like Corey Kluber's changeup has been really good this year as well. And I'm almost wondering if he should start throwing it a bit more and throwing the fastball less, like maybe just trade off a little bit of that usage between the two pitches since they're the ones that pair so well with each other. Um, the more and more I think about it, I feel like this could be the genesis of another article idea that's going to be post the Jimmy Yaka bonus article that I have brewing in my head as well. Um, but generally the summation of what I'm trying to get is this. He draws a decent amount of weak contact on his secondaries he gets a decent amount of swing and miss on them. Uh, the slider gets a little bit there too. Uh, and he doesn't get babbipped into oblivion like heavy ground ball pitchers. Like I'm thinking like Alex Cobb or Aaron Ashby, unfortunately. Um, 
if you combine that with like the really solid command of his repertoire, like if you look at his heat maps on either pitcher list, baseball savant, wherever you choose to look at things, obviously go to pitcher list. Duh. Um, company man, always a company man. Um, he, he locates all of his offerings super, super, super well. Um, and I think with a little bit more focus on throwing some of those lesser featured secondaries, uh, including his curveball too. He has a curveball as well, which has been excellent. And I think I don't think he's allowed a hit off it so far this year. Um, I'm thinking similar to like what pitchers like Jesus Lazardo did by like changing up their um, usage rates to be more secondary heavy. Um, he could see more success. So my recommendation here, like I said up top, is that he's worth a pickup as a streamer for the next week or two in 15 teamers. Uh, Beyond the, sorry, the Milwaukee and Chicago White Sox start, he lines up to be against the Padres in San Diego, which on its face might seem like kind of a tough matchup, but they're a below-average team versus right-handed pitchers in terms of WRC Plus this year. Also, they're below-average at home, so that's interesting, too. Uh, He should be limited to around, like, 80 pitches, so... I know that might seem like more of a reason that he might not qualify for a win and it might be a reason to maybe fade him, but he's been incredibly efficient. He pounds the strike zone a ton. Um, I think he can eke out five plus innings on a pitch count like that, like he has already this year a couple of times. So I think a win is possible uh, for these next three starts as well. Um, but yeah, I love Josh Winder. What did, uh, what did you see about his slider before that was so interesting? slider like it's move it's movement it's spin oh it is it is absolutely it, it literally has no spin efficiency whatsoever it is a gyro slider which is cool if you if you look at his savant page and you look at like the observed and spin-based movements of his pitches you'll see that his slider just has movement or like in every direction which is weird because his Oh, like a, what, what's the what's the best way to describe okay, so, that so spin? To describe the spin, imagine that you're seeing a ball coming at you as a hitter. Like when you see a curveball coming at you, you're thinking that it's going to be tumbling with the ball coming straight down, over like end over end towards you. Imagine that you're looking at a ball coming at you and it looks like a steering wheel that's just spinning. Around and around and right, around. Right, right. And that's it. There's no, like, it's, there's not, like, side spin where it's, on an axis and you can see it spinning side to side. There's like it, you, you don't really, really see any seams spinning. Yeah. I never realized how hard it was to, to talk about seams on a, uh, on a podcast. Yeah. Podcast like, like notoriously a visual medium. <laughs> it's like, you're looking at a wheel from the side profile exactly. and not a wheel driving towards you. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So it's very difficult to maybe pick up. I, I really don't know honestly but it's that that's the thing i think it moves very erratically because of the fact that it has this spin profile on it and like again the spin efficiency is 10 percent. it's not really doing a whole lot uh in that regard i i don't know personally we don't know why it works but it works i don't know well it's not and that's the thing i don't think it's so much the slider that makes things go i think it's that change up that i think he should throw more and I think you would probably fare better if he did that. That's my personal opinion. I don't know. I think Mikey has written. We're gonna. We're, this is basically a Mikey Hedo uh, stand podcast at this point too. But like Mikey has written Mike. about different pitchers that have like gyro sliders as well. Um, perhaps How have a, we not had Mikey on yet. I know we need to have Mikey on. Um, but perhaps 
Uh, we can get some insight from him one of these times. We'll have to bring him on and talk about Josh Winder and other uh, gyro pitchers. But yeah, that is why I like him. I think that Josh Winder should start throwing his fastball a little bit less and then his changeup and maybe his curveball a bit more. It's kind of the thought that I had by looking at his profile so far this year. But yeah, I, I currently have him stashed in my minors in my AL only league. I'm I'm a fan. I I was I'm excited that he's back up in the majors again. Yeah, it'll be because I'm trying to think. Who do they have coming back? So obviously they have, they have Chris Paddock, who's on the 60 day IL. They have who is it? They have oh gosh, I can't think of who else is on their IL. Um, Bailey Ober is on the 15 day IL. He did he had a uh, uh, groin injury, right? Uh, Archer is currently injured. Dobnak is injured. Maeda is injured. Ober is injured. Paddock is injured. They're just that that rotation is the walking wounded. Yikes. Yeah. So. I mean, once any number of those guys come back, uh, Winder's opportunity is going to be up in the air uh, as far as how much yeah. how much run he's going to get. I don't know if he's even going to be sticking around in the majors or if they'll send him back down and uh, slingshot him back and forth. But yeah, for the time being, he has the opportunity. I think it's three fairly favorable starts coming up, so I'd be happy to stream him for all of them. But yeah. Love it. I hope he stays up for a good long while, but it's it's unlikely. Same. We'll find out though. All right. Uh, we're gonna take a quick ad break, and we'll be right back with two more deep dives, and then some honorable mentions. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show all right, and we are back. So, Schwebzy, let's have you talk about Jake Myers here real quick. So, Jake Myers is like what what I feel like he he's like the the classic in the deep pick because he's got what we care about. He's got he's got a role, he's got opportunity, he's got a good he's got a good lineup spot. And sometimes that's all you need for a deep league. He's a strong defensive player to stay in the lineup. He he embodies so many of these like mantras that we care about when we're talking about these like role players that we think will contribute mm-hmm. in fantasy. But yeah, uh, I was I was very on the record last year as being a Jake Myers fan uh, until he unfortunately messed up his shoulder trying to rob a home run in the uh, ALCS. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to forget about the year that he had last year because. I, I, I think it's easy to forget about him because he's like not even a top 10 player on his own team. And how many guys like that do we really care about in fantasy? But there was and is a lot to like about his game and the potential he brings for deep league lineups. Uh, I, I generally like to target guys with 
a potential to really blow up and uh, break out, but I really don't think Myers is that guy. I think Myers is like the picture of Cromulence. He is solidly above league average with the bat, and he has a good role on a good team, and he will likely be like across the board a positive contributor for your team in, in just about every category. My my favorite thing about him is really it's it's that role and it's how committed the Astros seem to be to keeping him in the lineup and on the field specifically. The Astros have proven time and time again that if they think you're valuable, they will show loyalty to you and get you in the lineup regardless of how good or bad you are. Looking at you, Martin Maldonado. <laughs> Since coming off the IL on June 23rd, Myers has played center field in all but one game. I was worried about Chaz McCormick and Jake Myers eating into each other's playing time, but Myers has been in there pretty much every day, hitting 7th or 8th, and uh, even sneaking into the 5th spot once when some of the Astros veterans got a day off. Now, always being in the lineup and always hitting behind a bunch of quality hitters, honestly, you, you can see that in his career production so far. Mm-hmm. In, spite of it, like, in spite of being simply an average hitter at the plate, Myers just piles up RBI. He's accumulated almost 40 RBI in 208 career plate appearances. Like, think about that. 200, like 40 in 208. That's like 120 plus over a full season. Can you imagine if Jake Myers put up like 130 RBI season, how silly that would be? Now, obviously, it, it doesn't actually usually work out that way. People have ebbs and flows to their seasons. But, like, I don't, I don't think there's anything especially meaningful to be drawn from looking at last year's small sample versus this year's small sample. He looks like pretty much the same player. His plate discipline numbers look mostly the same across the board. Uh, slightly better contact in the zone, so uh, he chases a little bit more frequently. His biggest issue last year was his 30.7% K rate, which was alarming, and uh, it, it didn't bode well for his future production. But uh, maybe it's a good sign. So far this year, it's significantly lower. It's around 24% now. But again, we're, we're dealing with a minuscule sample size, so I don't want to make any you know premature declarations. Uh, One major point in his favor, and this goes back to the Astros showing loyalty to guys that they feel bring value, he is a stellar defensive center fielder, at least according to OAA. Now it's above average. He's got some serious wheels, gets great jumps, and it looks like over a full season, he would actually be among like the very top of the league leaderboard for center field OAA. He's that good, like Harrison Bader-esque, at least, you know, by this one measure. It makes me feel really good about his playing time moving forward because, as I said earlier, again, Astros like their elite defense at premium positions. And Jake Myers is not Martin Maldonado with the bat. He's, uh, he's actually you know going to bring positive value to your lineup. Mm-hmm. His X stats actually look pretty good right now. He's got like a, something like a 295 XBA. Uh, and at the end of the day, I think Myers is like a classic in the deep, deep league play. He's not going to wow you, but he can be invaluable out of your fifth outfield spot or whatever as he piles up counting stats just by virtue of being in a strong lineup and providing the occasional home run or stolen base. <laughs> One comp that actually occurred to me, and this is this is actually a compliment even though it won't sound like it, 
It's like Brandon Nimmo. <laughs> Brandon Nimmo with no plate approach. Because he's got some loud tools and they may never translate to loud fantasy totals, but there's like a better than zero chance for a real breakout here. I, I don't expect it, but I, I love having him, you know, be fine in a fifth outfielder spot with, you know, maybe the chance of a possible breakout there. I know I, I roster him in at least a couple leagues already, and it's that's that'll probably go up as the season goes on and people get hurt. Yeah, someone like this. I mean, one of the best line has been in the league. We we love that, obviously. Um, regular playing time, we love that. It like it just hits it checks all the he checks all the boxes for us. He he is the prototypical in the deep player. 150 RBI threat, Jake Myers. Book it. Don't book it. I'm gonna cut that. And quote <laughs> it out of context so much. Tweet it out. Thank you for this. Tweet it from the official account. Thank, thank you for the clip. I appreciate that. Uh that's perfect. No, I yeah, uh Jake Myers as far as like being a fifth outfielder in any of your like 15. Do wait, okay, so do you think this would be like a five outfield like 12 team league pickup or 15? I mean, I I roster him in TGFBI. I think so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, perfect then. All right. Um so yeah, 15 team leagues, five outfield leagues. Seems like a good fit for any of those. I dig it. Uh what does he have like 10 RBIs over the past like 10 days? He's got like, he's only, he's only got 40 plate appearances on the season and he's already got 10 RBI. That's wild. All right. Well, yeah, pretty easy pickup then. I feel like, um, all right, let me dive into my last deep dive here. And this is one that isn't super duper deep. I'll be honest, but thanks Schwebzy for it. Uh, so I was, yeah, this is, this is my fault. Yeah, it's kind of your fault. Uh, so I was prepping for the pod and I had, obviously I had already written up Josh Winder, gotten through that. But then I read into the very, very serious case of midseason writer's block that I always seem to run into in the middle of the season where I don't know who to write about. Usually it's either one or both of them that I just struggle with super hard. I was looking at a ton of players. No one I looked at excited me in any capacity. So I was flailing, trying to figure something out when my good pal Schwepsy over there was like, Reed Detmers threw 40% slash tonight. My first thought when he said that was, Schwibzy, shut up and stop trying to help me. My second thought was, huh, I'm hungry. I'm going to eat more of these peanut butter pretzels, the greatest snack in history. Uh, and then I, How many of those things did you shut eat Shut up, today? don't talk about it. We're not talking about that. <laughs> no, I don't know. I had 1,300 calories worth of peanut butter pretzels. Don't Please don't judge me. Um... That was my second meal of the day. The other meal was four shots of espresso and a slice of banana bread. Please leave me alone. Um, so 40% sliders. Anyways. Um, <laughs> interesting. Obviously, it was his first start back from the minors. Uh, that is a change in pitch usage. That's interesting to look at, obviously. Uh, so I went to the Savant breakdown of Detmer's start. And I was like, that's really cool. Okay, 40% sliders. Looking at the rest of it. And I didn't get that many whiffs. Uh, okay. But... Then I saw something way more interesting. So now I'm sitting here talking about Reed Detmers against my better judgment, maybe. Six shutout innings is great from in his first start back from getting sent down. He had seven strikeouts, which is also pretty dope. Cool. And, like, that sort of thing coinciding with a massive shift in, like, the usage of a pitch should make one's eyes pop a bit. And that happened for me here. 
But the thing that really made me want to dive in here with Detmers is the fact that he was throwing his slider a full three and a half miles per hour faster than he had been all season. Excuse me? Who are you? And how did you reinvent yourself in less than three weeks? I, I just, I didn't understand it. Um, the slider, and I'm using very heavy air quotes here, I don't think is a slider anymore. It feels like it's a, a slider cutter combo or maybe just like straight up a cutter that's being misclassified. I really don't know. I think we're probably going to see a change in that at some point, I would assume, just because, I mean, that added velocity is just so, so, so much. And the movement profile is very clearly different, obviously, with the added velo it's going to be um, than his slider was previously. Um, it was good. It didn't get a ton of whiffs necessarily. It did get some called strikes. Um but I don't think the point of changing this pitch and making it uh, a higher velo with a little bit less movement was to get more whiffs. I think it was to allow the rest of his repertoire to play up a bit. And it did. It really did tonight. Um, I'm excited yeah, to see. I, I want to interject here a oh, second. Go. I'm sorry. I was, I was talking to, uh, we, we talked about Lamar Gibson earlier, who's one of our best prospect guys over at Pitcherless. Yes, he is. And I, I was talking about the slider usage in the start and he mentioned how there was a very distinct difference in his approach to batters today where he was kind of pitching backwards and using that slider early in counts to steal strikes uh to set up the elevated fastball for strikeouts and it looked like a different pitcher yeah i mean oh gosh when someone does something like this, oh, okay. Also, speaking of minor leagues, you reminded me because I was looking at this before we started because I was wondering how many starts did he make in the minors before he got called back up? It was just one. And I asked Schwebzy, hey, what do you think his line was from that start? And Schwebzy's like, I feel like I remember him getting like knocked around quite a bit. So, Schwebzy, what was your, can you remind, the, or can you oh, tell the I folks said... at home what your guess was? <laughs> Usually, uh, Jordan and I are pretty good at guessing things. Uh, I guessed 1.2 innings, five runs. And how wrong was I, Jordan? Incredibly. <laughs> Incredibly wrong. Pretty pretty far off. So uh, in his start in the minors uh, in AAA, before he came back up, he pitched six innings with 14 strikeouts, one earned run off of a dinger. That's it. But 14 strikeouts in six innings. That's pretty good. That's really, really good. I I, so, I don't know what else to say aside from that. Like, I mean... I feel like this is a pretty conscious change in approach, like both to like how hard he's throwing this cutter and also how he's attacking batters, kind of like you said. So prior to this start today, he had never thrown his slider more than 31% of the time in a start. Yep. And again, this was a different slider. Uh, usually he only threw it like 15% or less. Mm -hmm. Like for the season, it's 15%. Yep. So this it's a dramatic change. We cannot emphasize that enough. This was a completely different approach to his pitching style. And it very well, at least this time and in and in, in his in his one start in the minors, it seemed to have paid off. Um with this in mind, obviously it seems like a brand new pitcher uh has figured something new out. I'm adding Detmers as a streamer this weekend. I am not going to start him against the Dodgers. I'm going to fade that start probably, but his following two starts after that are against 
the Royals and the A's, which are both very, very favorable matchups for his next two. So I'm going to be happy to grab him early so that way I can stash him and then stream him for those two and see how things go. Yeah, so we do we just have to hope that he doesn't like get annihilated by the Dodgers and then sent down again. That's that's the one that's the risk there. I, I suppose so. But after his start that he just had, I would think that he has a little bit more leash than that, right? Hopefully, hopefully, and I mean the the Do- the Dodgers have been shut down by some really questionable arms Chad lately. Cool. So maybe re- that, yeah, that's the one that I was thinking of, and I know there's there's one more recently too mm. that I'm blanking on, but maybe maybe we can add Detmers to the list of questionable starters who dominate the Dodgers. Dig it. All right. Um. All right. I think that's it. Like again, not a super deep deep dive on that one, but definitely someone worth picking up. Uh, Detmers only six percent rostered between ESPN and Yahoo leagues right now there there are far worse options again like we were talking about at the beginning of the episode a little bit the pool is pretty shallow in terms of Dude, players if, that if are you had really asked interesting me, and worth talking about yeah if you had asked me before today who my favorite starter was that was like rostered in less than 20 percent of leagues i would have said none of them but now it's oh it's detmers yeah yeah detmers is by far the favorite option here but it's actually it's the two guys you mentioned. It's it's Winder and Detmers for me. Oh, are you saying I did a good job? You did good. Did I make you proud. Dad? You did good, kid. Oh, thanks, Dad. That's I could say that as the elder statesman of the podcast. Are, like barely. Actually, no, you are kind of old, aren't you? Mm. I know, I know. Mm. All the people who are older than us listening to this right now, like, shut up, you damn kids. Please remind me how old I am. No, I will not. Don't, don't. I will not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's on to the honorable mentions. Yeah, let segues. Um, Shrubsy, kick it off. Talk about uh, Ramon Laureano because why, why is he only 22% roster? I don't get it. Why? I don't get it. The, why? He, Ramon Laureano used to be a pretty high pick, like in the hundreds, I, if I remember correctly. And I'm I'm cheating a little bit here because he's at 22%, but I'm I still want to talk about him because it's still so mind-numbing to me that he's only rostered in 22% of leagues mm-hmm. like peak Ramon Laureano is standard league rosterable yeah so like I, I don't get it I'm not sure if people just thought that his power was permanently gone or or what but he's hitting for power again and he could very 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 easily give you a double double from here on out uh double double being 10 home runs 10 stolen bases uh he's got he he'll, he'll I, I think it's more likely that he gives you like 15 home runs, five stolen bases, then vice versa. He's he's gen- historically been more power oriented than speed oriented, but he's got the the tools to do both of those things. Heck yeah, right. Um, I've got Nick Senzel down here. Uh, Schwabs, you actually wrote this one down. Uh, Schwabs, would you like to say that you were wrong here? I I look. I admit when I'm wrong. I I think I think, and I quote. I said Nick Senzel. Oh, uh, I I. Who was the comparison? Oh god, oh, I, I can't remember I who the know. dude. It was like I, I said, like Nick Senzel would be blank if Nick Senzel was actually good at baseball. Is is what I said. Wow. But uh, yeah, harsh, harsh analysis and incorrect analysis because you know, it, yeah, go ahead, take it from here. Yep. Uh, so Nick Senzel, kind of in a, I, I'm not going to say these in a similar vein as Jake Myers necessarily. Uh, I think that Myers better lineup. Obviously, the production is going to be better for him because of that. But Senzel does kind of tick all the boxes that we like as well. Even if the season long stat line does end up kind of boring, I mean, he starts in center, 
pretty much every day, so the plate appearances are going to be there. He has a little bit of speed, though not as much pop, I would say, as someone like Ramon Laureano or any of the other people that we talked about so far that are hitters. But like, he absolutely has value in 15 plus teamers. Like, he as long as you're getting those plate appearances, that's honestly half the battle. So Nick Senzel definitely worth a uh, a pickup off the wire if he's still available out there for you. And uh, in a in a similar vein, I also said that Luis Rangifo was bad when one of our 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 very kind and and nice <laughs> community members all they did was ask if I would talk about a person, and then the cruel you know mean human being that I am, I was like, nah, this guy stinks. But uh, no, Luis Rangifo has been uh, really really good the last two weeks. He's got an everyday role with the Angels. Uh, and honestly, there are worse ways to manage your team than just rostering everybody that I say I hate. Uh, you'll actually probably do pretty well. Lesson learned. Don't be a hater. Just talk about the things that you'd like, Fancy. No. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> can't make you can't make you can't me. make me be happy. You can't make me do the positive thing. I refuse. I refuse. Um. All right. I'm gonna talk about Eric Haas real quick here. I think that obviously the production has been there as of late. That said, the issue here is the playing time. He's been starting every other day or uh, or so on average, um, which is obviously good. He's also outfielder and catcher eligible, which is fantastic in pretty much every single format, and it's got its uses. I just wouldn't expect him to go hitting a home run one in every five plate appearances like he just did over the past two weeks. That's not realistic. Dude, that's not that's not an expe- expectation that you should have for pretty much honestly any hitter. I would say, dude, free Eric Haas, man. No, absolutely not. Uh, I will not be rostering. It's him. it's pretty funny. Like the Tigers, when they do play him, they they hit him fourth and fifth, and it is yep. wild to to say this guy is good enough to hit fourth and fifth for us, but we only want to play him half the time. Got to play Miggy every day. That's what it comes down to. Oh, oh! I have a question for you. I, I have a tangent for you. What if I do? So can I, can I, I know I'm going to cut you off. I apologize. Can you refuse the? Can you refuse? I was going to no. say, what if I could do? What if I just said no? <laughs> no, sorry, I'm taking you along this ride with okay, me. Let's go. So the uh, MLB has announced that they are going to have Miguel Cabrera and Albert Pujols at the All Star game in in the All Star lineup. Uh, you may. I know you've been working all day. You may have missed this no, news. No, I know, but I know you're gonna, you're going to ask me, aren't you? What I think. Well, I mean, are, how how do you feel about this? Because I said I I think it's cool. I think it's cool that they're going to be involved. But personally, I I wish it was not like in the All Star game itself. Like I wish they were like managing like the futures game or something. That was my favorite idea. My second favorite was to have them. Uh, compete in a foot race i think that would be fun like how do you want to see miggy and the machine uh participate in all-star weekend i want to see them do a sack race that's what i want to see just get some burlap sacks have them hop around in the no i mean oh okay i thought that was like a normal race with cup checks wow very 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 nice Rubsy. A, a plus a plus fun a plus fun no i I, th- I think for me i don't want like the reason that i want to see all-star games is because i want to see people who are all-star caliber players 
I like yeah, I, I, mean, I also liked the idea of having them be like managers for the futures game because that's like two really like entrenched, very like seasoned vets like that legends genuinely they're going to be hall of famers once they're all done with their careers i think Mm -hmm. giving the really young players a chance like the really like young talented players a chance to interact with those legends on a one-on-one level is really really cool uh i just like i I think there's like there's going to be other ways to honor them and i don't think that i want them in the actual all-star game itself yeah, like I, I remember, I, I very vaguely remember from my childhood, like Derek Jeter and like the the the, the corpses of Derek Jeter and Calvin <laughs> Jr. participating in All Star games when they were well past their prime, yeah. and like like I don't I don't need to see like I I don't know I don't I don't need to see uh Framber Valdez like groove uh Albert Pujols a fastball to give him one last All Star game hurrah you know yeah. just lob one in there but yeah. But anyway, there's there's no right answer to this. I just wanted to meander. Where were we at? I, I, who was I talking about? Derek Hall. Derek Hall time. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay, I found, I found the spot in the notes now. There we go. Yeah, so si- since his call-up, Derek Hall has hit four home runs now, and lots of people are saying that he's actually better than Vinny Pascantino. Uh, no, no one is saying that, but I will forever lump the two of those guys together in my brain because of that one week where they were the number one and two waiver additions. But uh, Hall's been good. Like I don't, he's very, very seemingly not an OBP play, and likely will not be a batting average play long term. But he's got some thump. I mean, four four home runs in two weeks. That that you know, what what more do you need? And the, the ballpark is awesome. The lineup is good. As long as Harper is out, which seems like it's going to be at least another two months. Yeah, uh, I I love the idea of having Derek Hall in there as a speculative power play. I can dig that. Um, thank you so much again for giving me another thing that I can uh, cut from the podcast out of context and post on Twitter by uh, people saying that Derek Hall is better than Vinny Pasquantino. <laughs> Makes me very, very happy. Don't tell the newspapers I said that he's better than Vinny Pasquantino. Oh, I'm going to. It's going to happen. Uh, oh, Trubsy, I'm going to actually, can I, can I have you get a little bit upset for a second can i'm giving you a chance I, to be like I the tiniest this. bit of a hater here but you're also like, i i you can't deny how good aaron hicks has been dude we were we were on i mean honestly we we have been on a call together now for literally for the past seven hours because we we gathered we spent, at 8 we spent a full work day together we have yeah we have been we have <laughs> we have been we have been hanging out in this call uh, that we are recording off for the past seven hours and in the you know during the course of that seven hours the New York Yankee and Boston game played out and Jordan like how many exasperated and upset noises did I make every time a new Yankees update came out like oh Marwin Gonzalez and Aaron Hicks double steal what is happening Aaron Hicks had two steals today I'm upset man I hate this do you want the total number or do you want the per minute rate who's counting really I was I can Uh, tell you either (laughs) No, the Yankees are too good. They're they they don't need their role players and old guys to suddenly be good again. Like, do they do the Yankees really need Matt Carpenter to hit nine home runs in like seven plate appearances? No, they don't. Come on, I'm sick of it. Right, Car- but uh, anyway, Aaron Hicks has been good lately, and if he like so since uh, June seventh, 
he's got a 149 WRC plus. Like there's actually like really legitimate upside here because there aren't many better lineups to be a part of than this. Mm-hmm. If Aaron Hicks can return to form with his like, you know, 1% roster ship or whatever it is, he could be like a legitimate uh, god league winner is 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 an overstatement but he could be a legitimate piece to like a lot of good teams oh absolutely i um, let's say i'm i'm looking at how often he's played lately he has he has sat 3 times in the last 8 games so he's not playing every day but when he but, is i mean he's a he's a switch hitter he's not being sat i mean it looks like he is being sat versus righties every now and then to uh because uh, there, there's a little bit of a crowd in that outfield. But, I mean, with the way Hicks has been playing lately, both offensively and defensively, I, I got to imagine that the Yankees are going to keep getting him in the lineup. Yeah, they're going to find ways to sneak him in there. If he's hot, you got to keep him in somehow. Um, yeah, lineup composition is the one thing here that I think you highlighted that it's, 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 it, it's probably the best lineup in baseball. Yeah. Like it's between I'd them and the so. Astros, I would say. Are the two that I would most want to be a part of if I was a if I was a hitter. I don't know. Um yeah. But probably the Yankees for sure. Because um, even even the Yankees the like the spots in the lineup that should ostensibly be holes aren't holes because like you Marvin Gonzalez go inexplicably hits. Holes. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Jose Trevino suddenly late. a borderline all star catcher. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Great, love it. I'm just gonna ramble about how much I hate the Yankees for a while now. Thanks, Jordan. You caused I'm gonna, this. I'm gonna step away. If you wanna just close this down, you can just take care of that. And another thing. And one more thing. Aaron Judge. Not Ugh. that good. No, I didn't. I didn't actually mean that. See, I'm giving you gifts back now. You can cut these out of uh, context and post them somewhere. Although I didn't say it in my actual voice, so maybe people won't think it's me. Who knows? Um, all right. Uh, you had Hunter Dozier on here too. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, there's not much to say here. This is a similar situation to Jake Myers plays every day. He's decent. Uh, think Jake Myers, a little bit more pop, much worse team. All right. Uh, and more positional versatility. Yes. True. Uh, someone with the exact opposite of that is Daniel Vogelbach. <laughs> no versatility. Zero in versatility. Anything. Just hit ball, ball. Just hit ball. Just hit ball. Um, he is kind of back on a bit of a heater. He's uh, very, like, I, I mean, I was watching him tonight in the game against the Brewers. His eye at the plate is very good. He's very clearly locked in when you watch him. I think that he's worth a spot in, like, 15-plus team leagues if you need a corner infielder or, like, a stopgap first base uh, cover of some sort. Uh, other than that, maybe steer clear, but, I mean, counting stats will be there as long as he's locked in. So uh, I like Bogey still quite a bit uh who else i mean you, you know i'm a fan of the barrel man always uh going from a former brewer to a current brewer uh and someone who actually does have a lot of utility is jace peterson so he feels everywhere in the infi- infield and outfield um he's currently holding down right field while they wait for hunter renfro to return uh he's valuable until that point at which i would send him back to the wire probably because even though he does have that positional versatility I am probably not going to see him play a whole lot during that time. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to get excited about Cody Clemens, 
but he's just simply not playing enough right now consistent the playing time just yeah it's not quite there but yeah what is what what is with the tigers and insisting on playing like victor reyes while these possibly promising people uh waste away on the bench but uh yeah i i would keep an eye on the playing time for cody clemens his season line looks miserable but in his last like five six games over the past two weeks uh he's he's been hot he's got a stolen base couple home runs a thousand plus ops and it is an incredibly incredibly small sample size but yeah that's why we're not saying to add him just you know keep an eye on things absolutely uh someone i wanted to point out that has been good but is probably not going to see the field for that much longer is trace thompson like uh mookie was on the il and he was producing while mookie was on the il and now he's kind of covering for chris taylor uh since chris taylor went on the il uh for the dodgers after taylor comes off the il i think that trace thompson becomes basically irrelevant he's probably not going to see the field that much um in the meantime if you can stick him in your lineup for like daily leagues then he might be worth it uh although he still is not playing every single day yeah, I mean, he he might wind up being one of those guys who's just a beneficiary of Dodgeritis. Like, yeah. I don't know, like Zach McKinstry last year or two years ago. I don't even remember when the Zach McKinstry hot streak was anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Who else do I have here? Oh, I have Keston Hira because, of course, I'm going to talk about a billion brewers all at once. Um, he has looked better at the plate as of late. I'm still not sure if I buy it or not. He still struggles with elevated velo and a lot of like the hits that he's had lately, a uh, home run that he had a couple days ago. They were off of low breaking balls in the zone. Um, that said though, he's playing outfield now too. Uh, and the added outfield eligibility he may get this season could make this worth it. If you want to roster him. Wait, is Keston Hira just the Brewers JD Davis? Don't start with me. Oh, this this bears looking into. Oh gosh, Jordan, finish without me. I have something to do. No, but no. please, please don't leave. Uh, hey, do you just want to talk about uh, JD Davis right now? Because he's on the list, anyways. Yeah, uh, as a Mets homer, I am morally obligated to mention when my boy JD Davis does anything good, which is uh, unfortunately uh, fleeting lately. But uh, he had a monster day against the Marlins with a home run, five RBI, and hopefully that is the, the start of a hot streak. But I, I am sad to report that I don't actually expect much to change uh, as long as he cannot hit a fastball. And I, I watched him swing and miss at some heaters right down the middle today, and I'm, I'm not optimistic. Mm. Well, But someone I am optimistic about, uh, another corner infielder, Jose Miranda. I, it appears I may have been overly concerned about his playing time because he has started in 9 of 11 games, even with Alex Kirilov back. Uh, he hits all all up and down the lineup, and I still think the bat will play. He's He's been pretty good. Heck yeah. All right. Uh, uh, oh, and same team. Yeah. Uh, on the flip side of that, Nick Gordon has started four games out of the last 11 and probably is not worth it. Uh, unless he starts playing more often. So uh, if you added him, I'm sorry. Uh, if you haven't yet, good, good on you. Perfect. All right. Uh, and then I'm going to talk about, oh my God, another brewer. I, <laughs> I, why did I do this? Why do I do this to this myself? Was me, this was me, actually. I, I added Victor Caratini to this you did, list actually. because, true. 
because Caratini has actually been a perfectly okay stopgap in uh, in my two catcher NL only. He's got like, he's got uh, like a one thirty one OPS plus over the past like few weeks. Yeah, he's he's popped the home run every now and then, and really uh, out of your second catcher, what more do you want? Exactly. Yeah, fine option in two catcher leagues, but beyond that, meh, just kind of disinterested. Uh, even though he has been great for the Brewers so far. Um, All right, I don't think we ha- I don't think we have enough time to do this bit. Way to way to ruin it, Trubzy. I was gonna just do it anyways, but that's fine. Um, so we had a bunch of pitcher- pitchers that again we had gone through so many trying to figure out who we want to talk about. So many of them were just so uninspiring, and we just haven't seen anything Dude, that has been it's like awful. We we didn't see anything that inspired confidence in any capacity. So just like I'm gonna fire off this list right now, super fast. So like Spencer Watkins, good results, kind of lucky, right? Uh, Jose yep. Quintana, good results. Kind of lucky. Uh, Jordan Lyles. Good results. Kind of lucky. Justin Steele. Good results. Kind of lucky. Cole Irvin. I actually, I, oh. I, I think Justin, I think Justin Steele is the best of this group for what it's worth. Okay, fair, but still kind of lucky. Yes. Uh, Cole Irvin. Decent results. Good results. Kind of lucky. Kind of lucky. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, I'm just gonna say the rest of that. Right, this bit, this bit this sucks. Bit sucks. Let's, let's scrap it. We're workshopping in the middle of a podcast. Uh, so then, just going down the list: uh, Jose Suarez, James Caprillion, Dylan Bundy, Chris Archer, who's now in the IL. So just kind of disregard that one. Uh, Bryce Wilson, Mitch White, uh, Cutter Crawford, Adam Simber. Yep, no, no, you can stop after Cutter oh, Crawford. Sorry. But uh, all like all of these guys at the end of the day are. Guys that you are only starting against abysmal offenses and hoping, hoping that that you get like a quality start out of them. Like there's just there's nothing inspiring about this group, and unfortunately, that's the best that the sub twenty percent group has to offer. Besides uh, the guys we mentioned earlier, Uh, there are a couple of relievers that I want to mention before we get to the end here. Yes. Uh, so Jordan Romano has been iffy. He started off the season incredible, and now there there's kind of some some cracks showing in the facade. So uh, Adam Simber is someone to keep in mind because he seems to be the favorite to get saves there if something happens to Romano or if if, if he gets shelved or, or uh, if his production uh, gets him demoted. But uh, Adam Simber seems to be the favorite, but also don't forget Jimmy Garcia. And that is uh, Y-I-M-I Garcia for, for you know, audio format and all. Uh, I, I think Jimmy Garcia is more talented than Adam Simber and has that more traditional closer profile. So, you know, th- those are the two guys that you want to keep an eye on if there's a changing of the guard in the, the Toronto bullpen. Uh, over in Los Angeles, bad things are happening in that bullpen. Craig Kimbrell is dealing with some injury issues. Uh, Brizdar Gradwell just came, uh, came out of a game with what seemed like an injury issue. I am kind of looking at Evan Phillips as a potential closer there, at mm. least in the short term. Yeah. It's always a bullpen that is stocked with interesting arms. And, I mean, they, they honestly, they could make any one of like four or five guys the closer and it wouldn't shock me. Like if Alex Vessia wound up being the closer, I, I wouldn't find it too weird. But he's a lefty, so I feel like it's a little bit less likely. Yeah. And <laughs> this one was fun because I actually jinxed jinxed this mid appearance. But almost Nick Martinez 
yeah well i i i I talked in the pitcherless discord about how well nick martinez was doing literally seconds before brandon belt hit a two-run home run off of him but the the look on your face when it was just like in play runs and then i was watching the Uh, game at the same time right when you said that i saw the ball come off the bat and i was like oh that's a tater (laughs) oh that's gone former former in the deep flame uh brandon bell he's still oh former right okay uh, uh, Nick Martinez of the San Diego Padres in his last four appearances he has a win and three three inning saves that seems good now I meant that that is good I mentioned this on the last episode three inning saves are a rarity it is very strange that he has three three inning saves like it seems like they're using him as a bulk closer or like just someone like like you know some teams use their their spare starters as like long relievers or followers or piggyback starters yeah it seems like san diego is using nick martinez as as someone to close out blowouts or just be a three inning closer when they don't want to tax their bullpen it's interesting and i can't remember another team ever doing this no not in recent on top of right and, and on top of it just being interesting it's valuable mm-hmm. like having a having someone regularly put up three inning saves is like a game changer yeah like if imagine if, if nick martinez gets like i don't know say 10 more of these saves before the end of the year and winds up with like 12 three inning saves by year end like that would be such an interesting case for like the off season and next draft season like if we thought that was going to be his role next year God, I know it's like it's something like it's oh, it's something wow. that I like no one ever no one ever even thinks about it because it's just teams don't do this. That's 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 going to be the new closer. Other teams are going to try to imagine, emulate that. Imagine like Nate Pearson is a bust. Just make him a three inning closer. But uh, uh, one one last thing, uh, Texas's closer six situation is in flux. They, uh, Chris Woodward, their manager, has said that they're going to give Joe Barlow a break from closing games for a little bit to try to get his head straight. And today, the first save opportunity went to Brett Martin. Yeah, whoever whoever that is, uh, I, 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 he is not the person that I would have guessed would get the first save opportunity. I, I would have thought that it would have went to uh, like Brock Burke or somebody. Uh, Jose Leclerc is back. We might be uh, seeing the return of Jose Leclerc. But yeah, uh, honestly, I don't think I would chase saves in this bullpen. I I just don't think there's uh, a a closer type reliever here. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, it's I, I, gross I, yeah, I went and looked just now at who they have like on because I went I went on fan graphs to see who they had listed as the uh, closer in, on roster resource. So it's Brett Martin who got the save opportunity today. Uh, Dennis Santana, Matt Moore, and then Brock Burke are the four. Matt Moore. N- n- yeah, I know. That's a name. Just the, just roll that one around your mouth for a little bit. Matt Moore. Welcome back, Matt Moore. Of all people. Yeah, I mean. He's been here all along. He's just been irrelevant. And now apparently he's in a closer committee. Allegedly. Like, Got to go with an experienced Ugh. hand, I guess. I mean, that's probably the best reasoning that I can think of there. But yeah, no, I'm, none of those are super exciting to me. 
So I am watching from afar and being like, huh, have fun with that, y'all. Um, you, you know what I want just one time? I just want Garrett Richards to get one save so that I can go back to our, I, I can go back to one of our old episodes uh, from the very, very beginning of the season. It might even, it might've been our relief pitcher preview. And yeah, I, I had that. said, I had said that Garrett Richards was a dark horse for saves in the Texas bullpen. So I just need him to get one so I could take that victory lap. Yeah. I mean, if we can get that going, at least that'll be nice for you. Um, did we have anyone else on the list that we needed to talk about? Blissfully, no. We've already been at this for 70 plus oh minutes. Oh my God. Okay. Well, <laughs> on that note, thank you all so much for joining us for another episode of In the Deep. We appreciate it. Again, if you want to follow us on social media, we have Twitter accounts. It's going to be the shared account. That's going to be at In the Deep PL. You can follow us individually as well. It's going to be at Bunt Singles for myself and then at Schwebzi. That's S H W E B S I for Schwebzi. No C. Lamar. <laughs> Uh, and we will be back. We will be back next week for another episode. Schwebsy, send them out. Bye, friends. Bye.